But at this time, we're going to jump into the Word of God. And so do you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Ruth? Okay, and today, there's no slides. So again, you want a Bible or open up on your phone and keep it open. If you don't have a Bible, like you just don't have a Bible, you've lost it, you don't know where it is, we have free Bibles at the back. They're blue, hardback. They're for you. Take it, take it home. Um, but let's turn to the book of Ruth. Uh, book, the book of Ruth is near the start of the Bible. Um, Joshua judges Ruth. All right. And then it's before Samuel. If you've gone to Psalms, you've gone too far. You want to turn back to the book of Ruth. We're at chapter 1. We're reading verse 19 to 22. Yep, we got it. Okay, Ruth, chapter 1, verse 19 to 22. It reads, So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite with her, with her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. This is the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Um, when <laughs> Pastor Paul mentioned um, Pastor Steve being here, it kind of reminded me. So Pastor Steve went to NSP, and he's a pastor. Pastor Paul went to NSP, and he's a pastor. I went to NSP, uh, and so be careful. I'm sending you to, sending you to NSP. Um, I'm always reminded of that. But hello, everyone. Well, uh, how are you all doing? Uh, welcome to church. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Peter, and I'll be unpacking the Word of God for us today. Uh, I'll actually be preaching through the entire month. Um, we announced this last week at our members' meeting, uh, but I'll actually be stepping away from uh, active ministry uh, for a year after, after February. So after this month, I won't be serving here as a staff member. Uh, there's a few reasons for this. Uh, but if you'd like to hear more, please uh, speak with me. I'd be more than happy to share with you. But I do want to clarify that I'm happy and I'm doing really well and I'm in a good place. It's not like I'm not like dying. and I'm, It's not like that. Um, I just felt like I was due for a break. And, um, and Pastor Paul and the council have graciously allowed for me to take a break the rest of this year to uh, rest and recharge and um, hopefully come back stronger. And so uh, I'm really excited about it. I hope you guys uh, would keep me in your prayers as well. But if you, know, if you would like to know more about my life, please feel free to speak with me. I'd be more than happy to share with you guys um, anytime. But before I go, um, Pastor Paul, you know, good old, <laughs> he's milking me before I go. Um, but no, really, I just wanted to give Pastor Paul a break before I go. So I'm going to be preaching this whole February for the next four weeks uh, as Pastor Paul hopefully spends that time preparing for the year coming. And so I hope you guys are okay with that. Over the next four weeks, I thought I would bring you into one of my favorite stories in the Bible, uh, which is the book of Ruth. Um, the book of Ruth is an incredibly fun story to read. I love this story. But it is also a really powerful story that reminds us how committed God is to His people. Um, and I hope and pray that as we read through this story, uh, that we would not just see, you know, Ruth and Naomi, but that we would be moved uh, by God who stands behind this whole story, remembering that that God is our God as well. And I hope we find great encouragement and strength in that together. Uh, why don't I pray and then we'll dive into the first chapter today. Let me pray for us. 
Father, we remember that it is by your grace that we are all here today. We are blessed to have this place to gather in. We're blessed to have these people to gather with. And we are truly blessed to have a faith that understands who you are and what your son has done for us on the cross. I pray for a fresh reminder of your amazing grace and a renewed gratitude for the salvation that we have in Jesus today. And I pray that we would together spend this time worshiping you for you are worthy. I pray for my brothers and sisters who do not yet know you. Won't you reveal yourself to them and bring them into your fold. God, as we talk about the tough seasons of suffering that we may all go through, I pray that you would bring comfort to those who are hurting today. And I pray that you would bring confidence to those of us who know you as our God. Speak through me and speak to us all today for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Um, I had a profound experience watching my wife give birth to our first child. Um, I had many experiences, and I'd love to share that with you as well. Um, but I had this one profound experience. If you don't know our story, Amy had a pretty tough labor. It went long, and there were a few complications. Um, but Amy was an absolute beast. Uh, I know she looks soft and quiet, but she was a beast. Uh, she tanked it through each contraction. And with each hour that went by, she would say stuff like, you know, this is for the baby. Or, you know, I know it'll be over soon. Um, and that was her hope. And that's what kept her going. Now, without going into too much detail, uh, what we were waiting for is for the doors to open wide enough for the baby to come out. Does that make sense? That's all we're waiting for. Now, uh, I think it needs to be about 10 centimeters, which is, again, crazy to think about. Um, but really frustrating because the only way to have those doors open is to wait. Uh, you have to wait, um, which is crazy. And another crazy thing was you, every, you can only check how wide the doors are every three hours. I wish someone told me this before. Like, I, I wanted to check like every five minutes, but they're like, it's every three hours. I don't know why. If you're a nurse, please tell me. So here we go. We go to the hospital, and it's, uh, we check. It's four centimeters dilated. Great. Four out of ten. I said to Amy, we'll be done in two hours. Right? I was wrong. Um, three hours later, six centimeters. Not what I had hoped. Uh, but still amazing, right? And then three hours later, six centimeters. Tired, but Amy's going strong. And then three hours later, six centimeters. And we tried breaking her waters and giving her like fluids that makes the contractions much worse. So it's much more painful, but it speeds up the process. And then three hours later, six centimeters. And it was at that point when the nurse said, it's still six centimeters, that I just saw hope leave Amy's eyes. Um, the hope that this was going to be over anytime soon just left. And, and with that, it was, it was almost instant. The pain seemed to just like kick in, like, like way worse. There was actually a machine there, uh, right there, that shows you the number of how bad the contraction is. I don't know how they measure that, but there's a number there. The number didn't change. I could see it. Uh, but the pain seemed to get 100 times worse um, for Amy, and it was, it was starting to get unbearable. And I had a, a preacher moment afterwards, after the baby was born, not during, but after the baby was born. I remember thinking, wow, that is the power of hope in, in moments of pain, right? Things could be painful, but when you have a sense of hope in something, there is a profound strength that you can find to just bear it. But when you have that hope taken away, that's what makes painful times feel much more excruciating and unbearable. And friends, today I want to talk about suffering. And the reality is, in one way or another, we will all suffer. But the difference maker, I believe, is do we harbor 
hope in our hearts through such seasons. And of course, we can put our hope in many things. But today, obviously, we're talking about is our hope in, in God and what He has planned for us. The reality is, in wh- whether it's deep emotional suffering of losing someone you love, or going through a season of loneliness, maybe times of anxiety as you work towards or wait for something, but things just aren't working your way, we will all suffer. But the question is, the question that I want to ask us today is, in and through such seasons, do we have hope in our hearts? Hope in the Lord. Hope in His plans. Hope in what He will do. Because that can often dictate how tough or how bearable those seasons will feel. So here's the message that I want to deliver to you today. Very simple. One line. There is always hope to be found in the Lord. There is always hope to be found in the Lord. And I hope and pray that we as a church would believe this and would run back to the Lord again and again and find hope in Him, especially through the darkest days of our lives, that we may endure and not crumble. Amen? Uh, Let's go to the story. So the first chapter of Ruth reveals the realities of suffering. Um, I love Ruth because it kind of goes through the ebbs and flows of life. And this first chapter, it just talks about suffering. And I believe there are some really good lessons here that we can draw from this chapter. I have four lessons for us today. And the first point is this. Sometimes we will suffer. Sometimes we will suffer. Let's have a look at the story. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. And it would be nice if you have your Bibles open because I'm just going to stay here all day today. Verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled. Stop there. So this is really important context, and even though I could never give you a good and clear reason why suffering exists in this world, one of the best answers I can come up with is this, because of sin, because of brokenness, because there is something wrong with humanity and something wrong with the world that we live in. And that's kind of what this first section is telling us. These are the days when the judges ruled. If you go back one page in your Bible... You'll find in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, it says this, the very last verse. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The time of the judges was not a good time for the people of God. It was a corrupt and sinful time when man turned his back on God and did whatever he wanted. The Bible says, in in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And this is symbolic of the relationship that the people of God had with God. It was empty and barren. And in such a time, we meet a man who again embodies this broken relationship. It says, a man of Bethlehem in Judah, so he's a Christian, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. There is so much here. So first of all, Elimelech decides to leave the land of God's people and enter into the country of Moab. This is extremely scandalous. Like for us, we read that and it doesn't mean much, but this is extremely scandalous. The country of Moab uh, began in Genesis chapter 19 when a, a man named Lot He's seduced by his daughters, and they bear a child, and that's how these people began. The root is evil. And then in Numbers chapter 25, uh, there is a a famous well-known story of a bunch of Israelite soldiers going through the land of Moab, and then the Moabite women seduce them, and in God's wrath, he wipes out 24,000 men. 
24,000 Israelite men. And this is a well-known story, in fact, among the people of God. Moab was bad news. Moab was the place that you avoid as the people of God. To go to Moab was to go away from God. But Elimelech takes his family there. Now, it's also helpful to note that names are quite significant in this story, in this book. Elimelech means God is my king. But with what he's doing right now, that's not what he's showing. He's going the other way, to Moab. Bethlehem means house of bread. But they're in a famine. Do you see what this, this first line of this book is setting up for us? The, 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 the foundations of this story, the time that we're in, the context, everything is wrong. Everything is jumbled up. I just I picture like a, a puzzle and someone's just jumbled everything up. Things are broken and things are just not the way that it's supposed to be. These are the times when the judges ruled. A broken and sinful world. And so it is almost not weird then to see the next part as the camera zooms in on poor Naomi as suffering starts to plague her life. Let's look at verse 3. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. That's the explanation we get. He died. Was he sick? Did he get killed? We don't know. He died. And to make things worse, in verse 4, we learn that the two boys marry Moabite women, which again is scandalous. And after 10 years, 10 years of living in a foreign land, verse 5, both Marlon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. And here we see the pinnacle of Naomi's suffering. Let me remind you, Naomi did nothing wrong. She simply followed her husband. But because of the brokenness she lives in, she is now without a home. She's without her husband. She's without her children. She's without a future. And if you look carefully in verse 5, she is now without a name. The, the verse 5 refers to her as the woman. She's lost everything. And friends, I hope we can see the gravity of Naomi's season of suffering here. This was a horrible time in her life. And we are, not given, we are given no good reason for why these things happened. And the reason I, I highlight this section of this verse, this, this, these verses is because you and I, we could very well experience such suffering in our lives as well. Why? Well, I don't know the exact reason why. But what I do know is that we too live in a broken and sinful world with broken and sinful people, and things are just not the way that it's supposed to be. There is sickness, there is corruption, there is heartbreak, there is disappointment, there is loss, there is hunger, and that's the world we live in. Right? So even though it's not what God wants, as you and I, we live in this world, we will find ourselves oftentimes in tough seasons, times of pain, Times of hardship, suffering, and waiting. And perhaps you've been through one recently. Maybe you're in one right now. And I know it, it sucks, but the reality, that's the reality that this first section of Ruth reminds us of. That as we live our lives in this broken and sinful world, sometimes we will suffer. 
It is what it is. And perhaps in those times, you will feel like Naomi uh, without hope. Um, but that is why I think community is so, so important. Because, and here's the second thing that I want to draw from my text today. Second thing. Sometimes we need the faith of those around us. So sometimes we'll suffer. So sometimes we need the faith of those around us. And I guess this isn't exclusive to seasons of suffering, but accountability, support, and just prayer is something that could very well get us through the darkest times of our lives. And this is what we see happen in Naomi's life. Let's look at verse 6. It says, she heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So, so Naomi hears that God, after 10 years, has begun pouring out his blessings uh, to God's people again in Bethlehem, in Judah. And, and, and this is actually foreshadowing uh, what God's going to do in her life as well. But this also shows us the character of God. Uh, there is a season of famine, but that God restores them. There is a season of abundance. But for Naomi to receive that, she needs to return to the Lord. She needs to return home. So verse 7, we see her, she said, it says, she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. They begin their way home. They begin their way back to God. But what we find is that Naomi doesn't want to bring these more white women with her. Uh, for various reasons, I'm sure. Uh, maybe it's for her safety, because, you know, these are Moabite women. Maybe it's for their safety. Um, and honestly, because they're young, they could go and marry again. Uh, so this is what Naomi says in verse 11. Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my, my daughters. Go your own way, for I am too old to have a husband. If should I say I have hope... Even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Do you see how negative Naomi is being right now? She's saying, God has abandoned me. I have nothing to give to you. I'm not going to find another husband anytime soon, and I'm not going to have any children you know, to bear for you, to provide for you. Remembering this is, remember, this is a patriarchal society. So you needed the man to provide for the family. And so what we see here is Naomi, she has very little faith and she has very little hope. Even though she's making her way back to, you know, God, she has very little faith and she has very little hope. And rightfully so, right? She's in the worst time of her life. And so she's sending these daughters away for their sake so that they don't have to suffer with her. Again, she's accepting, my life's going gonna, gonna to suck now. Go away, don't be with me. Because she believes that the Lord has gone out against her, she says. And friends, how often, especially in our seasons of suffering, do we feel like this? When things don't go our way, when we lose something or someone important, when we feel sad, the obvious thought is, God, where are you? Or, God, I hate you. Or, God, why me? God, why now? And maybe you've had those thoughts before. Maybe you've had those, have those thoughts right now. Then you know very well the heart of Naomi. She's in pain and she's in confusion. And to her request, one of the daughters-in-law, Orpah, she leaves. She kisses her and leaves. It, she's not like ditching, they cry, and then she leaves. But in verse 14, at the end, it says, Ruth clung to her. 
Now, the word clung here in its original language is like the way that a, a wife would cling to a husband. It's deep commitment. Naomi, Ruth is showing deep commitment to Naomi. And Ruth says this in verse 16. And this is a real powerful verse. Ruth says, Do not urge me to leave you or f- return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more. Also, if anything but death pass me from you. Now, this verse is quite poetic, but it shows us two things about Ruth, which is incredible. And the first thing is her character. She has incredible character. She shows this amazing commitment to Naomi, despite the fact that they're from different cultures, Naomi's heading back to a foreign land. And there's probably no hope for them back there. But she honors Naomi and her culture as her own. And we'll actually see this this character, her amazing character. It plays a really big part in how she finds a really awesome man later on in the book of Ruth. But she's a woman of character. But the second thing and the more amazing thing is that Ruth shows what Naomi could not as a Christian. And it is great faith in God. She honors God as God. She doesn't point fingers. She doesn't say, well, God's abandoned us. Let's just do our own thing, Naomi. She doesn't, she's not bitter and down with her. She simply submits to the will of God. Ruth shows faith. Uh, She says, may the Lord do so to me and more. When Naomi could not. And to that, Naomi can't respond. And, and we don't know what Naomi's feeling here, but I would hazard a guess that she's feeling humbled and encouraged by Ruth, this young Christian who was showing greater strength and faith than she was in this time of struggle. And so Ruth, so with Ruth, Naomi continues to return to the land of God's people. And friends, I, I just wanted to stop here in this story because we can't underestimate the power of encouragement and accountability And a simple, can I pray for you in our lives, in our community. There is a reason why in in Hebrews 3, 12, the Bible says, Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an, an unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another as long as it is called today. Every single day, exhort one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Run with one another. Build up one another so that you may all stay safe in the Lord. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. We need one another. And I think that's what's happening here in Ruth. Now, I don't like to speculate and add things to the Bible, but imagine if Ruth didn't go with Naomi. Would Naomi have made it all the way back home? We don't know. Ruth, out of love for Naomi, clings to her and perhaps helps her in this dark time to remember who God is. And sometimes that's all we really need, right? Each other. When we're struggling to reach out to God and ask God for help and trust in God, that's what we really need is one another. Especially when we feel like we're going through suffering. Because sometimes, friends, we will suffer as we live in this broken world. Sometimes times will get tough. And so sometimes we just need the faith of those around us to help us. Not to tell us what to do, not to give us a book to read, but to remind us in love and with commitment what it looks like to follow God. To show us that we are not alone in this journey of faith. 
and to help us walk through our suffering, not away from God, but closer to God. That's what we need. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, reach out. Especially if you are going through a, a tough season and a tough time and it's hard for you to reach out to God and pray and feel passionate. Borrow the faith and the strength of those around you. Because sometimes you will need the faith of those around you to keep you going in your darkest times. But in the same regard, church, Kingsway, let us reach out to one another, checking up on one another, praying for, sitting with, hurting with, hoping with one another. Because we will all go through different seasons of struggle and pain, but that is how we will together make it through these seasons in one piece. It breaks my heart to think about, you know, that there will, there will be people here today hurting and struggling deeply for whatever reason, but they feel alone in it. They can't talk about it. No one's asked them about it. They don't have anyone to talk about it with. As we all endeavor to walk with the Lord together this year, that's the vision Pastor Paul set for us, walking with the Lord. I hope and pray that we would become a church that learns to walk with the Lord together. With one another. As a family and as a church. Because sometimes you will face suffering and you will need the faith of this faith family. Lean on it. So together, Naomi and Ruth return to Bethlehem. And for me, this is symbolic of Naomi, you know, returning to the Lord. And when they did, it says in verse 19, and this is what Pastor Paul read for us, that the town was stirred because of them. And they say, is this Naomi? And people are gossiping, questioning. What's going on? Right? I just imagine like typical movie scene when you come back to school after like something bad has happened. Everyone's like, shh, whisper, right? She's been gone for like 10 years. I heard she was in Moab. Is that the Moabite woman she spoke? What's going on? Just talk, talk, talk. And to that name, he says in verse 20, I imagine this in like a loud yelling voice. Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. And here's the third lesson that I want to draw about suffering in our lives. It is sometimes coming back to God will be hard. Sometimes coming back to God will be hard. You see, when we experience suffering and, and hurt in our lives, and you probably have experiences yourselves, I think the natural tendency is to try and distance our hearts from God. Distance our hearts from the church and our community and distance our hearts from our faith. And as much as we say, there is grace, God will always accept you. The reality is, it is, not, it is often not that easy to come running back to God, right? Sometimes the issues that we're struggling with, they're still there. Uh, sometimes we're still feeling bitter in our hearts. Sometimes we're still struggling with doubt. Sometimes the people and their talk and their judgment makes it hard. The questions that you might receive, where have you been? What did you do? Or perhaps it's my fear of their judgment that makes it hard to come back. Whatever the reason, even though we know in our heads that we ought to come back to God, sometimes coming back can feel costly and hard. And that's what Naomi is experiencing here. She comes back and everyone starts looking at her. And, and we don't, 
we don't actually know that if they were gossiping or not, but we know that Naomi felt judged. It was, it was hard for her. That's why she quickly corrects everyone. I'm not Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. The name means pleasant. That's not my name. My name's Mara. Mara means bitter. Right? She says, the Lord has, I went away full. I had everything. But the Lord has brought me back empty. He took these things away from me. I'm hurting. I'm bitter. And what I find really interesting is the tension here. And that's what I want to point out here. The tension here. She's still calling God almighty. In her head, she, believes, she knows God is God. She knows the truth. She knows that she needs to come back. That's why she's come back to, to Judah. She knows God is God. She says, Almighty. And then in the very next line, she says, has dealt very bitterly with me. That tension exists in her heart. And the reality is that tension will exist in our hearts too, and I know it. Maybe you know that you need to come back to God, but in your hearts, the, it's just, you just can't find the strength to do so. She knows in her head what is right, but she struggles in her heart to run back to God with joy because in her heart, she believes the Lord has brought her back empty. The Lord has left me without hope. And friends, maybe you're sitting here today wondering, what am I doing here? Right? What am I doing here? I don't, I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian or not. God hasn't done anything good for me recently. Or perhaps you will one day, if it is not today, feel distant from God. You feel distant from church. And struggle to come back because of all that it feels like it's going to cost you. And I just wanted to say, and this, this, this is what I want to point out in this, in this point, is that that is okay. That is okay. And to you, I want to urge, whether it's for today or for a day in the future, come back. Come back to God. Come back to His church. Come back to this family. Because though it may not feel like it, there is always, always hope in the Lord waiting for you. If you come back to Him. And that's my fourth and final point today. There is always hope in the Lord. Sometimes we'll suffer. Sometimes we'll need the faith of those around us. Sometimes it'll be hard to come back to God. But there is always hope in the Lord. Why? Because if this first chapter of Ruth shows us anything, it is that when we are in our seasons of suffering, we can know and trust that God is not finished with you yet. I love that thought. Your story is not yet finished. If this is just chapter one, guys. If it ended here, if Ruth was chapter one, full stop, the story's finished, that's kind of sad. But it's not. There are incredible things that are going to come in chapter two and chapter three and chapter four. And if we don't come back to the Lord again and again and again, we will not see this hope that come to fruition in our lives. I know this chapter seems really like gloomy and depressing, but the surprising thing is that at the very last verse of this chapter, we are left with two great pieces of hope. Two pieces of just hope. Verse 22, last one. It says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. I know that doesn't seem like much, but that's the point. When we're in the midst of our seasons of suffering, we, we have no idea how God is going to help us and heal us and redeem us. We don't have any idea. We don't know what God's going to use. You don't know that. God could use the person sitting next to you right now. God could use that event or that setting that you really don't want to be at. 
You just never know. And that is exactly what verse 22 here is for Naomi. Naomi is standing there and she believes at the end of chapter 1 that she is without hope. But standing right next to her in the most unexpected person, a Moabite woman, Ruth, who would be the hero to the story, is, is right there in her life. And we'll start to see that unfold next week. And the barley harvest, that would become the perfect setting that God will use to bring redemption into Naomi's life. If we just read chapter 1, that will mean nothing to us. But at the end of this story, we'll see that there was always hope in her life, standing right next to her. But again, she has no idea. And that is the beauty of God's kindness, His grace, and the hope that we can find in Him. We don't know how or where the hope will come from, but we can trust that there is, in fact, hope, brothers and sisters. Hope for a better day. Hope for a better life. And if not in this life, always and definitely in eternity through Christ, as we are promised in the gospel, salvation from sin and eternity in his kingdom. There is, we're never without hope. We are never without hope. God always has something better for us and more for us. So friends, whether it is for today or for the future, I hope you would keep coming, running back to God, looking for hope in Him, looking for a better day in Him, looking for a strength in Him, especially through our seasons of suffering, because suffering without hope will feel excruciating. But to have that hope, the hope that trusts that God has better planned for me could be the very strength that you need to get you through the darker days of your life. And I hope that that's what you would cling to when those seasons come to you. I began our sermon today by talking about my wife and our baby. And by God's grace, Madison was born safely and we are enjoying the gift that she is to us. But I know the reality is that this won't be the outcome for everybody. Some of us will experience much harder, much longer days with greater levels of suffering, with no sense of hope to be seen or found anywhere, anytime soon. Maybe you've been struggling through it for a long, long time. And you might have to struggle for, for a little longer. And if that is you today, my hope and prayer as I was preparing this, if you're feeling hopeless and stuck sitting here today, my hope and prayer is that you would just feel a small sense of hope burst in your heart today. Because sometimes we will suffer. Right? It will be hard. And that is why sometimes we will need the faith of those around us. So again, please reach out. Let us pray with you. Let us walk with you. Let us sit with you. And I know sometimes coming back to God again and again will be hard. And I thank you for being at church and for trying again and again and again. I urge you to keep trying and keep on fighting because one thing is for sure in today's passage. There is always hope in the Lord. He is not finished with you yet. And there are better days ahead for you if you keep coming back to him. And we will see that begin to unfold in the next few chapters of Ruth, which I'm really excited to read with you guys. Now, why don't we uh, pray together? We'll spend a little bit of time praying and asking God to remind us of the hope that we know we have in Him. Hope for a better day. And if not in this life, hope for 
redemption and perfection in eternity, in his kingdom. Pray that over your hearts, especially if you're feeling heavy and if you're struggling and if there are worries and fears and doubts plaguing your mind and your life, uh, ask God for a reminder of the hope that you know you have in him. And teach me, Lord, to trust in you through these seasons, to cling to you through these seasons. But also, if you know there is a brother or sister in your life who is in deep, in deep need of hope, why don't we spend some time praying for them together uh, that God might uh, bring healing in their lives, in their hearts, but more than anything, that God would inject within their hearts just a bit of hope that through the tough season that they're going through, that they may be able to bear and endure because they have that hope that there is something better coming for them. So friends, let's pray for our hearts. Let's pray for our community those around us, and we'll sing a song together. Let's pray.